This is a prayer from the Book of Worship regarding World Communion Sunday. And it simply just gives us a little understanding of why we observe the inclusiveness in the church. Almighty God, from the ends of the earth, you have gathered us around Christ's holy table. For it is today that we come to feast together and have mercy upon your church that is sometimes troubled and divided. Renew us and make us one, dear Lord. And then it goes on, the second prayer is, O oh God, we join our sisters and brothers around the world in remembering Christ's sacrifice for us. For the opportunity to eat and drink together, and for life we have received, we give thanks and praise in the abundance of many gifts. Grant us grace to fill one another's lives with love. Redeem us. Restore us. And remold us until we are made anew. Transform our daily bread into the bread of life, the bread of life that you have given us. And the cup that we drink, let it become the cup of salvation. For we pray this in your mighty name. In Jesus' name we pray. Gracious and loving God, move me behind the cross that the words of my mouth will be sweet meditation unto your heart. Set us aside and place in my heart the words that you have granted me. Let them be expressed in a loving and caring manner that you and you alone will show upon this space, this day, in your pulpit, in your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ushers, you may be seated. One of the areas that we have been challenged with as we move into this transformation season in the United Methodist Church is to check our hospitality meters. Amen? Our hospitality meters have been checked over the last three weeks in one way or the other. I've invited each of us to make a move and sit different places. And so in order to honor that, I even considered preaching on the other side. Amen. I just figured I would try to see what that pulpit was like versus this one. And it's funny, we tend to stay in some of the same places because we're comfortable. We know where everything is. I can reach down here and slip under here and get a t-shirt and get a little something under here because this is set and this is my space. When another preacher comes up here, the preacher's looking for different things, and he'll look around and say, oh, man, this girl got everything under here. Tissues, hand clear, all water. But that's the way we are about our places and our spaces. God allowed them to be defined just for us. Amen? You know when you get that cup of coffee, or maybe it's that sweet tea that doesn't come sweet. And you get it just like you like it. And somebody runs up and fills up your cup. You get to put your arm out. No more. Don't, don't. I I, want to drink it just like this. I just got it right. A year ago, many of us were not in our homes. As a matter of fact, we were in what would be considered our extended stay week. 
for those of us who had said we would be at the hotel three, maybe four days at the most, or we would stay with a cousin and we were leaning on the residency and love of friends and relatives, we told them it would just be a couple days. And we were still yet there. Some of us were looking and saying, uh, it's been about a week. I'm running a little short on hospitality. No, I don't want you to make any more chicken. I need you to go to your house. And some of us were having parties where we were because it had just got that good. We had cooked, we had baked, we had reset everybody's living room. We were just sharing in places that they didn't know what to do with it. And they just said, well, just stay as long as you want to. Radical hospitality all around because we were out of our common places. We were out of our comfort zone. And we weren't sitting in these pews. As a matter of fact, we did not come back into this church last year until the third Sunday in October. So last year, this time, the wires were down. The carpet was wet. The inspector had called and said, we will be out there soon. And I didn't realize soon would mean six weeks. Soon registers in my spirit a couple of days, maybe a week. But soon was whenever I get you to get to the top of my list. So today our message simply centers around what is it like to receive radical hospitality? What is it like to give radical hospitality? And so the one question I have, are you ready to show your salt? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you ready to show your salt? And some of you are like, I don't know. Salt is, you know, I'm not a salty person. I'm not like that. I don't want to show my salt. Well, in the ancient days, salt was a preservant. It still had those persons, those preserving characteristics. They would put salt on things to keep it so it would last a little longer. They didn't have refrigerators and microwaves and double microwaves and specialized ovens. And all of these things had not been invented when the Word of God went forth. So salt was a, utilized for its preserving. But I want you to consider as we enter this time of worship that salt is spirit, adoration, love, and togetherness. Spirit, adoration, love, and togetherness. So again, I ask you, ask your neighbor, are you ready to show your salt? Some of us aren't ready to show our salt because we're really challenged by hospitality. The four passages this week were very well linked together, and if you look at the top of your bulletin, you will see that the passages for this reading on lectionary, the Old Testament is Esther 7, 1 through 6, 9 and 10. Psalm is 124, James 5, 13 through 20, and the Gospel is Matthew 9, 38 through 50. Both of our passages of selection this day were very very well presented by our lay speakers, and we thank God. But I want to take you down this linkage. I'm not going to read Esther to you. I'm not going to go through and read each of those, but I want to bring forth an idea 
that Esther was a woman of holy boldness. What is holy boldness? What does it mean to step out on faith, not knowing where God is going to take you, but to be bold enough to say, even if it doesn't work out, and I get killed, I'm all right. Some of us are afraid of holy boldness because, number one, we're not ready yet to die. We aren't ready to die to self. We're not ready to die to our own personal agendas. We're not ready yet to want to live with holy boldness. Holy boldness is a risky kind of thing. Esther was a risky queen. She was a risky queen, and it says that she stepped out in holy boldness. Why do I bring that in as the context? Why is it important? Because God has spoken to each of us and said, bold, be bold in your prayer life. Be bold in restoration. Be bold in renewal. And some of us are saying, it's just bold enough for me to get up and be here. Because we think about other things we could be doing at this time of the day. Yes, we are a spirit-led people. Yes, we are one that adore the Lord. Yes, we are one that love one another. Yes, we are people who seek togetherness. We seek to become unity on this World Communion Sunday. But some of us struggle with holy boldness because we are comfortable doing things the way we used to. We go in last year and we pull out the records and say, what did we do last year? Every time I get to this part of the year, I resist going to last year's sermon to see what I preached last year about this time. And to dig into old messages because God said this is a new day. This is a new season. This is a new hour. Therefore, I need you to seek me every day for I am the bread of life. And it was funny, when I looked at my notes, I didn't even have anything for World Communion Sunday last year. Ain't hey, that something? God said, you won't check here. You'll have to research it, study me, and know about self-approval. You'll have to answer the question, so what's important about today? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. And I sought to get an answer from Psalm 124, verse 8. For the Psalm 124 starts out with, If I had not known the Lord was on my side. If I had not known the Lord was on my side. When enemies attacked us, then we would have been swallowed up alive. Then over time the torrent waters would have drowned us. The raging waters would have overcame us. Blessed be the Lord. Verse 8 says, our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. So once you get your hands around holy boldness, you can't keep your hands around holy boldness if you're not willing to call on the Lord for your help. But that is where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. For we look into the hills to see just what the Lord has for us. I don't know about you, but if I don't look to the Lord, I get stuck. I struggle 
because I'm trying to rely on something that God hasn't told me to rely on. He said, look to me to get your help. And I'll tell you where you need to go, who you need to connect with, where you need to be, what you need to do. But you first have to trust and obey and look to me. For the scripture says our help is in the name of the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, where does your help come from? They don't have to answer you because it is a personal decision to recognize that they need to know where their help comes from. They have to decide the help that the Lord gives me, will I receive it? So that's point one. When we get the holy boldness and we're asking God for help, are we willing to accept it when he tells us something different than what we pray? Oh, I know that's not what World Communion Sunday said, but the power of prayer and the power to ask God and to receive an answer from God is a relational understanding that he asks us to be bold. But he also said, call on me, for your help comes from me. So the point is, will we receive that the help that the Lord sends? Sometimes it's easy because we're walking and working it out. We're in the way of God, and God is in the way of us, and everything is flowing well, and what he says is the answer we've been expecting, and we're just excited. There goes confirmation. Woo, God, I'm excited. But what happens when God sends help or an answer to a prayer that wasn't the answer we wanted to hear? What happens? In the book of James, James began saying, Are you among the suffering? If you are, then you should pray. Are you cheerful? Then you should sing songs of praise. If any of you among you are sick, then call upon the elders and let them pray over you. So a lot of times when we pray, we have a condition behind the prayer. Lord, I'm expecting you to answer this by 5 o'clock on Tuesday, okay? Come on, God, I'm, I, I'm, I'm praying this. I've been praying for the last three weeks, and I need you to answer me, and I need it by 5 o'clock Tuesday in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I know some of y'all are quietly laughing because I haven't been at your house. I don't know what your prayer life is like, but I know that I've matured in my, and I can remember the immaturity of my prayer life where I was asking God for this and that and that and this. And, Come on, God, help us this out. But an old saint said, you need to get in the will of God. You need to fall upon your face. You need to tarry with the Lord. And she said, do you remember our church when you were growing up? And I said, okay, help me. She said, you know that side on the side of the church. Not where the pastor sat, not where the choir sat, but right there on the side. That was a mourner's bench. That was a bench where you sat until you felt like God had moved, until the Holy Spirit had answered your prayer. You could sit right there. And I fell out laughing because she had been, you know, in my life a long time, and she could understand because I knew her, and I knew her a long time, and she's a real good friend of my mother. And I said to her, I said, well, I'm not going to call her name because she might hear this on the, on the Internet or something. But I said to her, I thought that's where the bad adults sat. <laughs> they had a place for the bad children, so I figured that place was where the bad adults sat. They sat up there until they got unbad. They sat up there until God had changed his mind. I said, oh, look, all this time as a little young girl. I said, oh, the people 
over there sitting over there. That's where the bad adult sit. She said, girl, you a mess. But I said to myself, when I read and prayed about what was being said in James 5, 13 through 20, it reminds us that we have to not only have holy boldness, that we need to call and get our help from Christ, but we have to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm a pitch a tent. Because prayer and communion are two great places to have relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about praying what I want. But it's about praying in the Spirit. It's about understanding that the Scripture says on verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayers of the righteous is powerful and effective. Some passages there even say availeth much. So the important part is that we should pray to one another. Why do I pitch a tent here? Because the scripture says that we should confess our sins to one another and to pray for one another. Hmm. Holy boldness says, I will trust the Lord with all my heart. Lean not into my own understanding. Holy boldness says, I will step across and 